are listening to the Grassroots Sermon Podcast. For more information about who we are or how you can become involved, please visit us at grassrootswv.com. I'm tempted to ask how many of you have been reading this week in the Scripture reading plan uh, because I'm wondering who's been excited for this passage of Scripture, uh, for this particular portion. Um, it kind of goes over like a lead balloon, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, you just read that and go, well, let's just skip this one. Let's, let's not worry about this one. Uh, and for multiple reasons. Um, maybe you, you don't like your boss at work. Uh, maybe you don't like your parents. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think an easy one to be is like, hey, maybe you don't like the, the current uh, political leaders that are in, in place. And so uh, we, we tend to want to look at passages of Scripture like this and go, um, maybe later. Maybe we'll, but this is why I love preaching uh, through Scripture like we do. You just have to tackle uh, certain passages of Scripture that normally you just be like, hey, you know, it'd just be nicer uh, to just teach something else. Like, we'd rather go to the flood and teach on Noah and, like, human population being wiped out uh, than we would something like this. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to tackle this together today. Um, if you haven't been here, we are in this series, First Peter, Living as Resident Exiles. And um, this, this is going through this series. We want to look into what, what Peter is telling the church in that area of Asia Minor that we, uh, we've seen the map of before, but looking at that and, and how he, he says how to go about your life as a Christian. And so looking at this, like I want to remind us, okay, this is, this is something I really want to remind us. Uh, this is not how do we go about uh, sliding through this life in the easiest uh, way possible. Like that's not what we're going through this series. It's how do we conduct ourselves as resident exiles. And so from chapter one and two so far, uh, we've seen and, and learned like knowing and recognizing and remembering all that God has accomplished for us on our behalf, like all that he's done for us. We then say, okay, now our lives in response to that are poured out. But before anybody gets a little bit uh, confused on anything in that portion, I want to make sure, remember, we are not living out these lives as those trying to repay a debt, okay? Because if that's the way we conduct ourselves and uh, living out this life as a Christian, like, hey, God's done so much, therefore, I'm going to even the score. I'm going to do enough to where when I stand before him, go, thank you for doing that, and look at all that I've done for you. We're even, then you're actually looking for a righteousness based on your own works and not on what Christ has done. So remembering that, that as we, this whole series is not a checklist of like, okay, I need to um, put away these things. I need to act like this. I need to say these things. It's not a checklist, uh, but it is a guide for what our lives as Christians should look like as resident exiles living in a world where as followers of Christ, we no longer belong. We don't fit in. We don't see the world through the eyes of others anymore. We see the world through the eyes of Jesus and we try to live out as he would have us. And that's why we're going 
through this series. So if you would, uh, we are going to look at verse uh, 17 through, or uh, verse 13 through 17 today, uh, verse 13 through 25. I'm looking at my notes and I'm, you're, you're going to know why I'm messing up so bad right now. Uh, 13 through 25 today, but we're going to start in verse 17. Okay, so it's like we're going we're gonna to jump forward a little bit. And, and this is what Peter says in uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 17. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, four commands that we are going to look at. And when I say briefly, I'm about to cover them in about three minutes. But we're going to unpack today. If you're, a, if you're a note taker, if you're that type A note taker type of person, you're going to love today. Usually you, you probably hate when I teach because uh, it's just kind of a conversation. But today, uh, a lot of easy points to write down in the way of notes, okay? So, first thing we want to look at, okay? He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. The first thing I want us to look at is fear God. We actually did a whole week on what does it mean to fear God, okay? And, and the best uh, example that I had, the best definition I had of that was from John Piper, when Piper says the way he defines uh, the fear of God is fear treating the blood of Jesus and the fatherhood of God as trash. So we're recognizing what Jesus did on the cross for us by his blood, and we recognize the fatherhood of God in heaven. And what we want to do when we say fear God, we are fearing treating the blood of Jesus and the fatherhood of God as trash. And so we conduct our lives recognizing his fatherhood, recognizing the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and it changes the way that we conduct ourselves because we fear God by fearing treating that as trash. So that's just a reminder. But uh, the other thing he says is love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. And actually in uh, 1 Peter 2, um, before 1 through 3, it says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, remembering that, that's actually how do we interact as the body of Christ? Because we talked about, we put away those old things. We're not going to interact the way we would prior to coming to Christ and salvation. Like, we're not going to act that way. We have found something better. We have found Jesus. He's better than those old ways. We don't have to progress ourselves. We want to progress Jesus. So we change in the way that we interact. So love the brotherhood. And just so everybody's clear, that's the church. That's not the whole world. Like, that's not every human being. Like, that's the church. Okay, and, and you might go, well, shouldn't we love everybody? Give it a second. But right here, he's going, hey, love the church. And I'm going to, I used to be able to step away when I'd walk away from my notes. I'm not walking away from Scripture right now. But this is just kind of a real quick uh, grandstand type moment where I'm going to get up on the box. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I have no problem. If you want to come and discuss with me, let's discuss, because uh, I would love to discuss with you. But I'm just telling you, it is absolutely against Scripture and absolutely a fallacy of thinking to think that you can love Jesus but have nothing to do with the church. Okay, and, and I know a lot of people would think, well, that's easy because you're the preacher and you want your people at your church. And I'm just saying, no, no, get that out of your mind. Okay, but it is literally like saying, hey, I love the groom, but I hate the bride. So that idea of like, hey, I love Jesus, but I hate church, uh, that just doesn't coincide according to Scripture. 
Okay, so in, in, in this letter to the church, Peter's saying, love the brotherhood, love the church. Okay, is the church messed up? Yes or no? Anybody? Okay, is the church flawed? Awesome. Anybody here perfect? All right, welcome. Welcome. Okay, as, as my pastor buddy in Milton always says, we're a bunch of jacked up sinners that love Jesus and are striving to bring glory to his name. Okay, so that's where we're at. So love the brotherhood, okay? Now, the next one is honor the emperor. Amen or oh me? Okay, that's one I, just keep that one to yourself. Okay, honor the emperor. That's, uh, we're going to put that in the category of easier said than done. Okay, like yes, I will honor the emperor. Now, real quick, um, anybody remember who's emperor at this time? Nero. Anybody know the history of Nero? And Peter is telling the church, honor him. The, 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 the emperor that sets fire to his own city and blames the Christians, honor him. The, the emperor that would uh, throw parties lit by uh, Christians on stakes burning alive, honor him. What does it mean to honor him? Okay, again, easier said than done, but what does it mean to honor the emperor. I'm, I'm going to give you just very quickly a, a simple, simple uh, step here, okay? It is respect and pray for. Respect and pray for. And, and can I get a little bit pointed enough? I'm getting a little bit angsty up here because um, this is tough. Uh, I, I don't like people mad at me, but I've, I'm, I'm going to try to lovingly proclaim today, okay? Um, if you have at this current time any kind of leadership, so don't, don't think I'm just saying, hey, I'm going to say President Biden, Governor Justice, uh, your teachers, your boss. If you have um, spoken out against them more than you prayed for them, um, I'm, I just lovingly want to call you to repentance. Okay, if we have spoken out against them more than we have prayed for them, uh, then we are we are going against uh, God's word. Now, before anybody gets a little wild on me and wonders, like, hey, Darren's, you know kind of going a direction I don't want to go. Um, I, I would encourage you, uh, where we as Christians uh, hold to God's word and stand for God's word, can we speak up uh, in the face of injustice? Can we speak up and uh, bring to light things that leadership is doing that is against God's word? Absolutely. Okay, it is not that uh, by respecting and praying for that we say everything you do is good and we will follow that. It's not that. But I'm just saying, this is how you honor the emperor. And I'm just saying, okay, to date, we've never faced leadership like Nero. Okay, and if we want to try to compare something, uh, I'll, I'll be able to kill that real quick. Okay, so we've never faced leadership like that. So we, we honor the emperor by uh, respecting and praying for it. Now, we do not follow leadership into sin. We do not. And the best example we have is uh, back in the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus has ascended back to heaven. The church is beginning to grow. Uh, the disciples are found in the temple area uh, preaching the gospel. The leaders take them and take them before the temple leadership. And they say, hey, um, we have warned you before. This is going to get much worse for you if you do not stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And the disciples' response is the beautiful response that we need to use over and over. Is that I have to obey God rather than man. I follow God, not man. And so when we look at God's word, that's where we land, that I will follow God's word. 
and not man. However, we respect and we pray for those in authority over me. And I'm going to give you here in just a little bit, I'm going to give you reasons why you can do that. But we respect and pray for them, but we do not follow them into sin. And we stand against those things that would go against God's word. So, fear God, love the brotherhood, honor the emperor. Now, remember, hey, shouldn't we love everyone? Honor everyone. All right? That's honor everyone. How do you honor everyone? How, how, how do you do that? Okay, how do you do that? Um, I just want to point you, uh, you know, verse 18 actually says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. So honor everyone. And he jumps to a really tough one. Hey, servants, all right? Honor your masters. Not just the good ones, but the unjust ones as well. So, so hey, real quick, how do, you, how do we honor? If you've got just, some of y'all know, listen, I'm, I'm not, please don't raise your hand. Okay, don't like, be like, that's me, okay? Like, some of y'all just have crummy bosses. Some of y'all have great bosses, and praise God for it. But some of y'all just have crummy bosses, and, and very crooked ones. And you would go, how do I honor them? Okay, you, you ready for this? This is not going to be uh, easy, because Jesus, or Peter says here, uh, honor everyone, uh, honor your master, even the unjust ones. Do you know how you honor them? This is going to be wild. I mean, this is, this is what sets the church apart. Mindsets like this, okay? The way we honor them is we work hard for them and we work to the highest degree for them. And it's like, hold on. This individual does not work to the highest degree. In fact, they're very crooked and they're not doing their job, okay? God never said, as long as you. No, he just said, hey, you. As a follower of Christ, as a Christian, you. You work to the highest degree. You, you, you set the example as a Christian. I, I've said it over and over. Um, the idea that, that really Christians, everybody should desire to hire Christians because they know they're going to get hard workers that are honest, that do not cheat the system or take advantage of things and work to the greatest good and God's glory. Every family should really be excited when their daughter or son brings a Christian home and says, hey, we're dating, because they'll go, hey, this man, this woman is going to honor our son or daughter uh, in a way that others won't because we know that they have uh, a standard that lives up to God's glory. Like, we are set apart. We, should be, we are resident exiles. We don't fit in, so we should look different. We shouldn't fit in. And so understanding that. Um, but I have a tough question to answer, and I want you to answer in your mind very briefly. Honor everyone. How do we honor a rapist or murderer? And, and don't start yelling stuff. Please don't start yelling stuff out. Um, I just want you in your mind. Think about it. How do we honor a rapist or a murderer? How do we honor them? Like they have chosen to take their bodies and impose on others in disgusting ways. How do we honor them? And, and I think it quite simply goes back to what we would call an Imago Day issue. We honor them as humans who as humans bear the image of God. 
And, listen, just so everybody's like, I think we'll get on the same page here. We honor them by trusting the system that God has in place to punish the rapist and the murderer. Okay? We put them into the system. And if they are sentenced to prison or whatever it is, we honor that. It doesn't make them less human. It just now we honor them as image bearers of God who have made those choices and now they are punished for it. So, so just a very quick answer to a very tough uh, question. So fear God, love the brotherhood, honor the emperor, honor everyone. Now, I want to now give you, um, according to this chapter, four ways that we do this. Like, how can we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we strive to fear God, love the brotherhood, honor everyone, honor the emperor? Why do we strive to do this? All right. Verse 13, look at this. Says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And you see, for the Lord's sake. So if you're if you're taking notes, the first uh, why that we do this is we strive for God's glory because it says, for the Lord's sake. And actually in verse 12, look what it says in verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of salvation. So the first one is we strive for God's glory. That is why we honor We fear God, we honor the emperor, we honor everyone, we love the brotherhood. It's because we strive for God's glory. Now, uh, the next one, verse 14. Or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Okay, Uh, next one, look at it says, uh, or to the governors as sent by him. Okay, Um, so so we recognize uh, sent by the, uh, the emperor. But we also see in the rest of Scripture who places authority. It's God, the ultimate authority. And so we recognize God's sovereignty. So the first one is strive for God's glory, okay, and recognize God's sovereignty. Just want to read those again. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. So we first strive for God's glory, and then we recognize God's sovereignty, because we know Scripture talks about how no authority is given except by God. Now, we do have to ask a quick question, okay? Because look what it says. I mean, it says, uh, as him who's sent to punish evil and to reward good. And, and sometimes we feel, as Christians, that gets backwards. Like, it seems like they're actually rewarding evil and punishing good, okay? How do we then interact in that? Because that's sometimes... First of all, we continue to strive for God's glory. Second of all, we still recognize that that authority, Nero was placed there. Listen, I, I, I have no problem getting together and discussing this. Okay, Nero was placed there by God. I can show you in Scripture, no authority is put into place except by God. And so it is, he was placed there by God. And that's why Peter was able to tell the church, honor him, because God placed him there. Again, does it mean we agree with everything that happens? Do we follow them into sin? No, but we honor them. We respect for and we pray for. We respect and we pray for. Respect for? Does that work? We respect for them. 
We have respect for them. Add a word. There we go. We have respect for them, and we pray for them. Okay? Students, your teachers are placed there by God over you. You have respect for them, and you pray for them. Adults, you have bosses. They've been placed there by God. Respect them and pray for them. Kids, you have parents placed there by God. Respect them, pray for them. Okay, it goes to all of those. Now, the next one, verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So first, we strive for God's glory. Second, we recognize God's sovereignty. And third, we follow God's will. Because he said, this is God's will, that you will, okay, that you will honor the emperor, honor everyone, fear God, love the brotherhood. We will do these things, okay? We will do these things following God's will, and by it, we will silence our accusers. I I go back to what we said last week, where uh, a lot of debates raged, you know, in uh, decades past around the topic of abortion, and a lot of the things that were uh, portrayed to Christians, to Christians, were, hey, uh, you don't care about women if you stand against this. And or you don't care about the child once it's born. And I'm just going to be honest, the church by and large, we are very, very guilty of those two things. However, there's something that can step back and go, there's a lot of care pregnancy centers. It used to be called crisis pregnancy centers, but they kind of changed over. There's pregnancy centers that are run by Christians to say, no, we do care about the mom. We will help them through that. And there's a lot of Christian families stepping up to adoption and foster care and working in those uh, systems to help those individuals a part of that because, hey, we do want to see children taken care of. And so that's the type of mentality that, hey, you don't care about the kids, you don't care, and we can go, look, we do. And and so we can challenge ourselves in this, y'all. Listen, think about your life. What can you point to as following Christ that would silence your accusers? What can you point to? What can we as a church point to to silence our accusers by following God's will? So we strive for God's glory, we recognize God's sovereignty, and we follow God's will. Verse 16. And this is, this is a fun one. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Live free as God's people. So we strive for God's glory, recognize God's sovereignty, follow God's will, live free as God's people. Okay? What does it mean to live free? All right, somebody real quick. I have it written down, but I know some of y'all. What's the uh, West Virginia motto? All right, somebody give me the fancy version. I, I got to say this, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm Honestly, I was like, I know Larry will know this. As I was preparing, I was like, Larry will say it, and so it's okay. Um, I'm going to say it in, in my way, uh, Montanai Semper Liberi, okay? If I said that wrong, just forgive me. Okay, let's move together in grace, okay? But mountaineers are always free, okay? And we love that. And I've talked with people, uh, the, the people of West Virginia, I love the people of West Virginia. Um, I watched so many people step up for one another in 
years past during the flood and during the derecho and just watching people come together as a community around that and just so many things that I've seen uh, in the midst. Of, I love the people of West Virginia. Uh, you know that I was raised in Ohio, okay, and I know you've forgiven me for that, uh, but being raised in Ohio, just so you, just so everybody's clear, my, my dad's uh, mom, so my grandma on my father's side was born and raised in Meadowbridge. Okay, so West Virginia actually goes deep uh, in my roots on my father's side uh, with his mom. Okay, uh, the other side, my dad's dad, my grandpa, we're, we're Polacks, we're Polish. So that might explain some, for, for y'all, I don't know, but, but to me. But, uh, but my roots go deep here in West Virginia. But being raised in Ohio, I never got this from my parents, but the culture in Ohio is that West Virginia is worthless and everybody who lives here are idiots. That was the culture in Ohio. Okay, I never got that from my parents, but just being there. We just made fun of West Virginia because we're Ohio. We're better. And I have now been in West Virginia for 20 years. And I will tell people I am so much more of a mountaineer than I am a Buckeye. I love our state. I love our people. I love living here. I love y'all. I love the people we live around. I absolutely love it. Are we messed up? Absolutely. But I love it. But we have this mentality, mountaineers are always free. And we like to really, in America, hey, I have the freedom to fill in the blank. You cannot stop my freedom from fill in the blank. And I want to make clear, okay, Peter did not have in mind the nation of America when he wrote this. He's writing to the church under a, a brutal emperor at the time and saying, okay, telling them uh, in verse, sorry, lost my verse, uh, in verse 16, uh, in verse 16, live as people who are free. What does it mean? Live as people who are free and, and then but living as servants of God. So I want to give you this. Uh, we live free as God's people. We are free to be servants of Christ. Now, please, please, let's, let's, not, let's not mix this up, okay? I'm not saying that we should be free. No, don't, don't check out on me. I'm not saying we should be or always will be free to practice our lives in a way that would glorify God to the highest degree as Christians here in this nation. Okay, it's going to become harder and harder for us to live out the standards of Scripture in our nation. It just is. But what he's calling us to is we are free to be slaves to Christ. I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 6. It'll be on the screens. If you want to move over there, you can. But Romans chapter 6, I think Paul will explain it much better than I ever could. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 16, says this. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standards of teaching to which you were committed. And, verse 18, having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. 
For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and just as you once, uh, oh, and, and the law was, sorry, I'm going to start. Just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Which means when we're slaves to sin, we were free. We didn't have to live to righteousness. We were free to just rebel against God. We were free in that. However, but, verse 21, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. That's what it means. When he says live as those who are free to be servants of God. That we are not slaves to sin, we are slaves to Christ. We are not servants of sin, we are servants of Christ. And we are free to live according to that. No matter how hard it gets. We do that. So we strive for God's glory, we recognize God's sovereignty, we follow God's will, and we live free as God's people. But, what if? Verse 19. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. We need to make sure as Christians we're suffering for the right reasons. Okay? We need to make sure as Christians we are suffering for the right reasons. I'm going to quote, uh, you know, we've, we've had him, you know, in here. Wow. And the name just literally, uh, Alan Thompson. Alan Thompson, we've had him here speak a lot of times. He coined a term, and I use it all the time, jerks for Jesus. Okay? He, he uses that term, and I love it. The ones that say, I'm suffering because it's like, no, 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 listen, I'm just going to, and I'm not putting this on anybody in the room. I'm just saying it happens all the time. You're not suffering for Jesus. You're suffering because you're a jerk and you want to be right. And, and that's, that's what he's saying here. Let's make sure we're suffering for the right reasons. Let me give you a real quick example. Uh, and, and some of you might be in these shoes in this room. I don't know. Have any of you, um, worked? You, you gotta, there's a great term. It's called work is worship. So we recognize going to work and the way we work is, is an act of worship to God. And so the way we work, the way we worship God, we work hard to our highest degree. And because of your level of work and your, uh, your energy you put into that and trying so hard to work so hard, do you ever get despised by the ones you work around because they're going, hey man, why don't you, you're making us look bad. You, you're making us have to work harder because you're working. And I'm not trying to do that here. And all of a sudden, you start having conflict with your coworkers or those around you. You know, it's, it's, man, why are you working so hard? You're making us look. That's suffering for the right reason. That because of the way we go about our daily lives, we suffer because we're working towards God's glory, not because we want to make sure we're right. And we want you to make sure you're wrong. It's literally suffering for the right reasons. And so, Understanding why we're able to, or why we should, honor the emperor, honor everyone, fear God, and love the brotherhood. Okay, let's let's 
Let's learn. Uh, anybody here, real quick, raise a hand. So I'm going to wind down with this. Anybody, real quick, um, who learns better by seeing somebody do something? You learn better. Okay, cool. So if I were to give you a manual and in it, it's just words and you read how to do something, you're going to have to read that a whole bunch of times. Or if I hand you a manual with pictures in it or a video that you see somebody, you're going to pick up on it right away. It's just easier to see. That's why teachers, uh, if they're teaching you know, some useless subject like English, I'm just kidding. My wife's an English teacher. That's why I said that. Um, so they're up on the whiteboard. Okay, they're up on the chalkboard if you're from that era. Um, or they're up on the smart board now, okay, smart boards, uh, and they, what they're going to do is they're not going to just tell you how to diagram sentences, they're going to show you. Or a math teacher is going to go to the board and show you. I'm sure you, you O-School students are really thankful that they don't just hand you a book with nothing but words going, here's how you do surgery, okay? Just cut here, pull this out, cut it off, and they'll be okay. Like, you know... You're going to see things, and I'm going to be honest, you're going to see things that I'm not able to see. Okay, maybe you're like me, you'll see it, and then two uh, people you got to work on now, okay, because I've passed out. Okay, I can't do it. Um, and so, understanding this, um, we have an example. Look at verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. We have an example to look to. What does that uh, look like? Who is that example? Uh, it is Jesus and what he did on the cross. And it actually says, when he was reviled. And just so you know, reviled is just uh, violent and abusive language. When somebody reviles you, it is just violent and abusive language toward you. When they were screaming these things at him, he did not lash out in return. In fact, the words that he spoke over them was, God, please not, do not lay this sin to their charge. They don't know what they're doing. Don't blame them. And so when being spit at and cursed at and reviled, he did not revile back. And again, while suffering, he did not retaliate. And again, Scripture shows us that he could have called a legion of angels to come and just wipe everybody out and uh, to rescue himself. But instead, he endured the suffering. And so we as Christians, when we are reviled, we do not retaliate. When we are suffering, we do not lash back. Okay, and, and so this is how we can do that. Jesus entrusted himself, continued to entrust himself to the Heavenly Father. Church, Christian, listen. You do not have to vindicate yourself. God's got your back. Scripture shows us that vengeance is his. Leave it to him. When we try to take vengeance, we do it unjustly. We will always try to retaliate more than what's been done to us. Leave it to God. Entrust yourself to Him. Trust your Heavenly Father. And know that what we endure in this lifetime, first of all, is nothing compared to what Jesus endured. And secondly, has no way of comparing to the life to come. So we entrust ourselves.
And let's finish up, verse 24 and 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Because of his faithfulness and endurance, we're free from sin's power and we are free to serve Christ. But we need to be reminded of the weight of that. Wayne Grudem says it this way, The fact that Christ bore our sins means that God the Father counted our sins against Christ and, in a way not fully understand, uh, understood by us, laid on Him the iniquity of us all and then punished Him with that anger against sin, separation from God, and consequent death which we deserved. In this way, Christ was a substitute for His people one who stood in their place. Jesus stood in our place. He took our rebellion and our sin. He took the wrath of God that we deserve. He took it on Himself. And that's the final big reminder of how to suffer well. How do we suffer well? How do we, how do we live to Christ? And so I just want to remind you, Christians, listen, if you're in here and you're going, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, my sins have been forgiven, and I want to bring all glory to God that I can. Please let this be a reminder of what Christ endured for us. Can we not then endure suffering for His glory in a way that brings the most glory to Him? But if you're in here and you're going, you know what, I don't know if I have a relationship with Christ. You're just, you don't know. Then I would pray that this would be uh, the, the, uh, the showing that you need that, hey, uh, you know, Christ died for your sins, uh, for your rebellion. And, and you can give your life to Him. Put your, your trust and your faith in what Jesus did on the cross and, and be returned, as it says at the very end there, uh, return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Be returned to your heavenly Father. And, and let's live out this life together for, your glory, or for His glory and, and for your good and for the good of the church and for the good of the community and for the good of the state and for the good of the country and for the good of the world. We can work in that together. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for today. Father God, I just pray that You would have taken... Uh, this word today, even to those um, who, who might not know you or Lord, just um, are allowing distractions uh, to keep them from uh, hearing it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have just used it. And um, for those that are just uh, undergoing a lot in their lives right now and, um, you know, just burdened, uh, Father, that we would know that Jesus, by your leading, uh, we have an example of how to suffer well. Uh, we know why we need to do these things and and we know how to follow your example. And so uh, lead us through this. If there are those here that don't know you, Savior, Father, I pray that they would come uh, to just a repentant faith in you. Uh, and it's all for your glory, God. And I pray that you would use this church to build your kingdom. Father God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.